Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Indigo Spark. Indigo is a singer-songwriter who just put out her debut record called Echo back in February on Sacred Bones Records. In this chat, Indigo and I talk about her recent relocation from her native Australia to the US, which happened during COVID, the sort of long process that the songs for her debut took from conception to recording to release, we talk about what it was like co-producing the record with Adrian Lanker of Big Thief, as well as her time in an Italian castle with people like Damien Rice, Feist, and others just creating beautiful music together. We talk about spaciousness in music and the symbiosis between her record and Adrian Lenker's recent solo record, Songs, as well as plans for touring, getting back into the studio, and more. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Indigo Spark. Although I got this really weird blackberry basil coffee. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it was like a weird special and it kind of just tastes like plants. Oh, <laughs> it's sorry. interesting, but you know, whatever. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? I am doing okay. I haven't been sleeping very well lately. Oh, no. But just like very intense dreams. But last night, my friend talked me into um doing the city bike thing and I haven't done it since being back in New York because I sometimes get a little bit anxious about <laughs> bike riding yeah well um, I, yeah me too <laughs> yeah but we biked back from Manhattan to Brooklyn at about midnight so I think it, it helped me just come back into my body a little bit so I'm feeling good but tired <laughs> yeah I bet does your do your limbs hurt <laughs> I actually, as I was biking, I was like, oh my God, my legs are going to be so sore tomorrow. And they're not hurting at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know I bike for like a mile and I'm dead the next day. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But that's good. Um, So your your dreams have been waking you up, I presume. They have been. Mm. My dreams, I've always had very intense dreams. Um, And... It's, very, it's quite easy for me to lucid dream, actually. I'm not hmm. sure why, but I kind of tend to have dreams where I'm in like a split awareness or like dual consciousness kind of thing going on. I mean, to the point where I can kind of have, I'll be in the dream, I'll be aware that I'm in the dream and then I'm in like in an even further away body, like kind of in like my higher self, witnessing myself sleeping in but being aware in the dream like it's like multi-fractal oh wow that's a trip (laughs) really trippy it's so bizarre like yeah like I'm watching myself sleeping and being aware that I'm in the dream can't and I can't wake up I don't know it's really strange Um, so so do you sleep through your dreams they just leave you not rested or do you actually wake up from your dreams um both sometimes 
sometimes I'm in the dream, but I know I'm in the dream, but I'm, so I'm not sleeping deeply. Um, and then other times I will wake up from them. Mm. My one the other night was not last night, but the night before was particularly strange and disturbing. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Do, uh, do your dreams ever give way to song material? All the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, also forgive me. I'm recovering from a cold. So if you hear me being wheezy or sniffly, (laughs) that's why. I didn't get sick the whole pandemic and now I have this week long cold, but um, so what have you, uh, what have you been up to lately? I was told you recently sort of relocated maybe again to New York um, from Australia. What, so what have you been up to? What's your life been uh, like these past few months? Mm, my life these past few months, it's definitely been one of the biggest times of my life. Um, I don't think I could have, I don't think I really, um, I didn't think it was going to be like how it's been. I mm. had an idea or an expectation of how it would be to move back here. Um, and it's been, I thought it would be a little easier, honestly. I, I, I think because I've spent so much time in America and I feel so familiar with it and I have a lot of friends here, I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm just going back to the States. But I think when you, when you, when you're actually moving somewhere and you're on a one-way ticket and there's kind of no end date to the return of where you're going back to, it, it feels really different. Um, and in this time, it's really difficult to get back to Australia. Mm-hmm. My mom was telling me the other day that it's, it's actually called temporal dislocation, which is what people get sometimes when they are um like refugees or they they are either having to leave their country or they can't get back to their country and there's this sort of um emotional dislocation that happens Hmm. whilst you're trying to find your feet in a new kind of reality and I thought that I was immune to that god knows why I thought I was immune (laughs) but (laughs) so the last few months have been a really big lesson for me in uh, really grounding into and discovering, rediscovering and rebuilding a sense of groundedness internally or a sense of home internally. I've been thinking about that, that the concept of home a lot. Um, and yeah, just, just thinking a lot about how we move through the world in this mm-hmm. particular society where there's so much emphasis placed on external validation or, you know, engaging externally in different things, you know, and kind of often leaves us feeling super empty and sparse. Um, and I think there's a point in every person's life when they have to really look inside instead of outside for that sense of security and that Mm -hmm. foundation and I'm very much in that lesson right now (laughs) just like yeah rebuilding a sense of home internally with everything else shifting because I don't have a I don't have a temporary home I don't have a permanent home right now I'm in temporary sublets and um yeah it's just I mean I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people right now because the world's been so upturned in the last year and a half it's there's nothing really to hold on to anymore so it's like yeah it can be really unnerving 
Yeah, I would imagine even just the experience of living in those that sublet to sublet to sublet kind of existence, you ha- you do have to kind of say, okay, well, clearly I'm not going to find this sense of permanence from my housing, so I have to find it from other places, maybe even inside myself. Absolutely, which is really interesting because then you're kind of faced with your capacity to have resources on an emotional level or a spiritual level or you know, creative level or like, you know, which is really beautiful um, and ritual. Like I'm finding that ritual is really helpful routine, you know, just being able to wake up in the morning and make a cup of tea and light a stick of incense or something, you know, just something really simple that I can do every day. Mm. Okay. Here's a little check-in point. Um, and it won't matter where you are because you can do that hopefully anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I've been working on that, which is kind of, metaphysical metaphorical not so tangible actually um and working on some music and just really kind of building my community here which has been really amazing and beautiful did you relocate to new york this year or was it during earlier during the pandemic uh so i moved back to the states about three months ago okay about three months ago it was in yeah April. April I moved, and I went to a small island called Vashon off the coast of Seattle. That's where I went to first. Um, I was a little apprehensive about coming straight to the city, having mm-hmm. fed a lot of very extreme news in Australia that you know New York was just going down. So <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go straight there. Um, but then I came here about six weeks ago or two months ago maybe yeah roughly around then so it hasn't been long that I've been here yeah and uh you said it's hard to get back to Australia was it hard to come here it was really hard to come here Australia a travel ban um at the moment where you can't you can't leave the country and you can't get into the country so you have to apply for a thing like a compassionate exemption to leave the country so I had to have a bunch of letters along with my visa um oh wow saying that I was coming over here for work, which I feel lucky for. I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends uh, who had spent a lot of time living in the States and they were all back. Oh, everyone's just very keen to get back. It's just, it's just quite difficult. <clears throat> yeah. That's the thing about this whole situation too, is like these, the States are doing better now. Um, but I'm all, I personally am still so ignorant to how it's going in a lot of the world. And it, it, I think we forget that there are still major, major places like Australia with full-on travel bans. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. And their vaccination um, stuff is only starting to get rolled out now. And hmm. I mean, they did a really good job at the beginning, kind of shutting everything down. But at some point, they're going to have to open their borders. And at some point, there's going to, you know, probably be a wave that moves through i mean they're in lockdown right now but they only have 600 cases and the whole country's in full-blown lockdown so yeah yeah anyway wild times (laughs) i know it keeps here anyway it keeps feeling like we're like oh it's almost over or we're rounding a corner and i guess we have rounded a corner but it's so not over and it's so much bigger than just us obviously Totally. Yeah, it really, I don't think it's over. I think this is like, we're all having to adapt to a new way of life. And it's, I don't think it's going to go back to what was normal before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is just going to be part of the equation now. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. 
Um, so you had a debut album come out this year, which feels like it was like 20 months ago at this point because time is super weird right now. Um, but you did have your debut record Echo come out in February. Yes, indeed. Um, which is not 20 months ago, actually. It's quite recent. Um, it was in the midst of the pandemic. Um, I'm presuming you didn't get to play any shows around it. Uh, I I did actually play a few shows in Australia, but I haven't, no, I haven't had the chance to tour it yet. And it really does feel like years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what, what's it like to put out your debut record of all records and then like barely be able to like do anything with it? You kind of, It's kind of just out and you just sort of, okay, it's out. And now what, you know, what, what, what was that like putting it out now? You know, at the time I was just so excited to put it out and I was really excited to share it that I didn't, I had a really strong intuitive feeling on putting it out in that time. It hasn't really been until the last month or few months where I've been like, oh, this is kind of interesting. <laughs> I haven't been able to tour it. I, you know, it's, it's kind it's a little strange. I don't, I haven't felt that it's been missed because of it being released in the middle of the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, you know, I feel that the right, the people who are meant to find it will still, you know, people will continue to find it. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm of the mindset right now where I don't really see the point in looking back and being like, oh, damn, I could have done that or I should have waited or this or that. I'm just like, no, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And it's not too late because it really, it wasn't 20 months ago. It was only, no. ago, so I still can tour it and shows are starting to happen again in the States and I haven't really played here before. So that's really exciting. And I guess I'm, I'm also just learning like a, a lesson of patience as well. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, it will, it will unfurl as it's meant to be. And that is my journey and it doesn't look like anybody else's. So it's, it's true. You know, and also that's how it's going to go. Yeah, and also if you um you know if you release your debut record and then you can't tour it, then by the time you are touring, you might even have more material to play. Definitely. And then you and then you you know you have a little bit more uh, wiggle room with what you include on your set lists, and you can have fun with new songs, and you can almost eventually even like kind of tour both albums, which is kind of neat. Like most people don't get to do that. Um, totally, and yeah. I think yeah, I mean I'm supposed to be going in to record my next record record. Um, in September hmm. so that's a fast turnaround <laughs> yeah well like I mean I guess you know a year in quarantine feels like a decade sometime. that's true <laughs> and you had I mean I, so many people I mean I, I know several people especially artists felt maybe stifled by having all that time um, but at the same time it's like if you release a record during a pandemic it's like okay well back to making music like I don't know what else to do I can't tour there's no businessy stuff to do totally so yeah maybe you just keep writing I are you someone who's always writing um no you know I I'm not one of those people that will like write every day that's mm -hmm. how I work um feels that feels challenging for me I should get better you know in discipline with that but um it's very free-flowing and intuitive for me like something <clears throat> seed of, or burst of inspiration will come or a phrase or a feeling and then it you know will tend to move through me quite
quite freely. Um, I just have to have the space to be able to sit down and, and let it come through. Uh, but I definitely felt that, you know, that what you're talking about, having so much space to create in the pandemic, I was like, oh my God, I should be doing all these things. <laughs> that felt really stressful, that kind of um, invisible pressure. And and then there were other days where I was where it was just like pouring out of me and flowing out of me and I don't know. And it's totally okay to do nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's also the thing. There is, like you say, it's an invisible pressure. Like no one is really on your back forcing you to to use the time in any specific way. Yeah. But yeah, I think it also helps for your record. Um, I mean, first of all, it's nine songs. It's quite digestible. It's not like you release like a two hour, you know, behemoth of a record, but also um, this is your debut and it's coming out on Sacred Bones, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, how did you link up with them? I mean, they're mostly known for sort of very dark, atmospheric, often noisier, ambient music. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you link up with them and release this sort of quiet singer-songwriter sort of record? Um, well, I had gotten to the point where I had decided to release it, um, release it independently. I'd had a couple of labels that I was talking to and nothing was just, nothing was flowing or feeling right. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put this out myself. So I put the first song out and I think, yeah, I just got a lot of action off the first song and Caleb from Sacred Bones had, had heard it. And um, I had a really great conversation, like a lot of really great conversations with him where he just really understood the music, could see where I was coming from. And I think the interesting thing is, is that it is, you know, very indie folk singer songwriter, but the essence of where that was coming from was very dark and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. And that's very much a part of, you know, that that's a very prominent world within me, that space. So it was interesting that he had picked, he could feel it. He had picked up on it, you know, which was really nice. Um, because the essence of that really is in there. And um, so, yeah, I decided to sign with them and put it out by Sacred Bones. I really love that catalogue and I feel I, I feel very drawn to that space of a lot of the music that's um, put out on the label. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of when uh, Marissa Nadler suddenly signed with them. Yeah. And you know how she's known also as a folky kind of singer-songwriter, but it did make sense because there is that that sort of underlying energy there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the really beautiful thing about Sacred Bones and the way that Caleb's orchestrated all of that is that there's so much room to explore all the different chambers and corridors and worlds of oneself as an artist. And that feels incredibly liberating because that's how it should be. I didn't have any interest in signing to a label that was going to keep me in a box of that uh, singer-songwriter, specific indie singer-songwriter, or, you know, um, be more in a pop space or whatever. Mm -hmm. So many different landscapes inside of myself that I want to traverse and I feel like I'm really held in that with Sacred Bones. Like I could just completely change my trajectory and it would be fine. (laughs) Yeah, which is very nice. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what is, um, maybe this is a silly way to phrase the question, but what is the like story of Echo? Because it is your debut and most of us, at least myself, uh, you know, we didn't really know much about you or your work before it came out or before the songs started coming out. 
Um, so I'm just curious what kind of led to this specific record, its creation, um, these songs, um, you know, what is it, was it a long time coming? Was it a, was it like a sudden thing? And then it came out suddenly, like what led to, what led you to this album? It definitely didn't feel like a sudden thing for me. I think I had been working on the songs for a year or more maybe. Um, and they really kind of, I had written a lot of them and then just let them be. I just kind of put them to the side. And then I'd spent a lot of time in 2019 driving across the country in the States and they kind of started to resurface. I'd been going back and forth from Australia to, to the States um, and they kind of started to resurface and I was revisiting them in a, in a different, from a different space within myself, I think also. Mm -hmm. I had was back in Sydney and I was playing through them all, recording them. Oh no, it wasn't then actually. I started playing them for Adrienne in I can't remember where we were. We could have been in LA or I'm not sure. But she was like, You should really record these. And I was like, Yeah, I've really wanted to make a record of these. And she's like, Well, let's do it. Let's just do it. So I went through and and kind of, you know, workshopped them a little bit. And then I wrote some, I wrote some during the time of recording as well. And, and during that year. Um, so it, it felt like it was a kind of, it felt like the process took definitely a few, it was a few years. I mean, yeah, because it was recorded in 2019. Mm. And, um, it didn't come out until this year. So and I, I had, yeah, I think, I mean, I think in terms of deciding to record them, that was quite a sudden thing. I think it had been something that I'd been really quietly ruminating on. Um, but I had come from a musical family. My mom's a jazz singer and I'd grown up around a lot of music and I was always like, I'm not going to be a musician. <laughs> um, I saw my mom, you know, I'm, <laughs> saw her struggling as an artist in some capacity. She's amazing. She's phenomenal. But, you know, at, at every point in an artist's life, there is a point of struggle. And I was just like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to become a really, I'm going to become an actress or something. Because that's so much more dependable. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was just like, I'm going to be a glamorous Hollywood actress. You know, I was dreaming. I was young. <laughs> that seems so romantic. And, um. So it wasn't until later for me that I started actually playing music after I'd kind of had my acting stint and was like, okay, this is horrible. I'm not doing this <laughs> <laughs> um, in this way, you know, at least. And so, yeah, it took me, it took me, it took me a while to come to the point where I was like, okay, this is actually what I'm meant to be doing. This is, this feels amazing. This feels really natural. This feels like my purpose. So, um, yeah that's kind of how it came about. And then we recorded it um, really low key in LA. Uh, and yeah, then, it's, a very, it's a very sparse recording. Yeah, and we, we, wanted to, we wanted it to be quite sparse and accessible mm -hmm. and atmospheric in a way. Um, yeah, and then some of it was recorded in Italy and some of it was recorded in New York. So it was mm. kind of like a smattering of 
feelings and places that went into it. It really did feel like a bit of a constellation. I think it, it felt like, you know, I was pulling from a lot of different places inside of myself and then for it to be made was like made in a lot of different places with a lot of different people and it and yeah that's kind of how it came together yeah and you mentioned adrian uh it's adrian linker of, of big thief um you know when this album was coming out she was mentioned in a lot of the press materials um mm-hmm. which you know that's what happens. <laughs> um, but you worked on production. She worked on production with you. She played on a couple songs. Um, of course, it was also mentioned repeatedly in the press materials that you two had been in a relationship before, um, though we're not anymore. W- were you during the record or was that, was the record after that? No, we were together when, when the record, when we recorded the record. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it seems like it's been a very amicable, supportive thing after the record too. I mean, yeah, definitely. We have a very, very deep and profound transcendental connection. And mm-hmm. I think for anyone in um, a relationship, regardless of whether you have a creative collaboration or not, it definitely takes time to understand how, um, the form of a relationship can change because the love really doesn't ever go anywhere. Right. Um, so that's been, um, yeah, beautiful and wild and interesting. And there's, yeah, a lot of respect and love between us. So that's been, that's been really special to, to remain in that space or to, you know, have that still exist. Does Echo feel a bit like a time capsule now to you? Yeah, it does, definitely. Um, it feels like a time capsule and, and a bit of a sculpture and and, simul- and and additionally her record, her solo record as well, because that, mm-hmm. that was definitely made in a time when we were moving through, um, you know, our relationship changing shape and form. And Are you talking about songs or Abyss Yes, the songs. Songs. Yeah. Um, so both of them had a lot of love and grief and there was a bit of a conversation as well between the songs because we were sending songs back and forth when we first met and some of those songs made their way onto both of those records. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was a bit of a call and response. And so it, it does, it feels like a time capsule of all those things and it's it's painful and beautiful to listen to all of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, I would think one, you know, one would come with the other, but it's not, I don't feel like it would, I mean, I'm projecting a bit, but I don't feel like it would be like a net negative result though. You know, even though you have both of those, it is. I don't think it could be. I think yeah. it's exquisite, you know, to right. those things inform you in life. I think it can only be beautiful. Hmm. Or I think it has to, I think in my mind, I'm like, (laughs) otherwise, what the fuck are we all doing here? That is a good question. (laughs) Planet Earth, you know, like there has to be beauty to this. (laughs) My laugh is making me cough more. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned you grew up in a musical family with um, a jazz singer mother, but I imagine also a lot of music just sort of around um who who were some of your like biggest I don't want to say musical influences but sort of inspirations or who moved you a lot when you were growing up or through your adolescence or even on this record because I feel like even on this record 
I hear, you know, myself, I hear a little bit of Mazzy Star on some songs, a little bit of like early Sharon Van Etten type stuff. So what have you been sort of uh, drawn to over your life? Definitely love early Sharon Van Etten and also love Mazzy Star. They were um, inspirations that I came to a little later. Definitely not in my childhood or in my in my teens. Hmm. Um, but they definitely influenced me on a, on an ongoing basis. Um, but I guess some of my early, like what it was, I mean, mum was playing a lot of Joni Mitchell. Mm. That record Blue summed up my childhood. My mum and my dad sing a lot of songs from that. Um, that really feels like it's a part of my blood, that album, as I'm sure it is for so many people. It's such a beautiful record. Um and then I feel like I was listening to a lot of Jeff Buckley and Radiohead in my team. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of ambient music, a lot of Grouper. Um, mm, love Grouper. Um, yeah, William Bazinski, like John Luther Adams does these become desert and become ocean. Um, beautiful, kind of, yeah, I don't know, they're just stunning. Um, and I was listening, Adrian and I were listening to Visions of the Country by Robbie Basho on repeat. We, we had that record in a place that we were living in. And so that was just, that was just every day. Mm. Um, but yeah, also a lot of um, Mazzy Star and um, I'm trying to think back to what I was listening to at some point, I kind of threw it all out the window. <laughs> I'd also tend to go through a lot of periods of deep silence where I don't listen to anything at all. I find it really difficult to listen to music sometimes. Mm. Um, so I definitely had spouts of that as well where I wasn't listening to anything. And that's kind of like a nice palate cleanser in some way. Yeah, I bet. It can be, it can be a lot to constantly be taking it in, you know. Yeah, and I feel like music is, I mean, thank god for music it's so amazing you know i feel like it really is yeah it's like keeps so many people alive and feeling safe and held um and it but it's also so powerful and i and i'm such a sensitive person that sometimes the weight of you know the weight or essence or emotional landscape of particular music can really affect me it can almost like overshadows how I'm feeling and puts me in a particular space or realm which is amazing if you want to feel a certain thing but sometimes I, I I'm not strong enough for mm -hmm. something so how would you say because like I I can sort of hear a lot of those inspirations in, in some of the songs and some of the, the album um but how would you how do you think things like more ambient music has influenced you? Because most people probably wouldn't, you know, call Echo an ambient record, but is there a way in which those like Grouper and Basinski, like, is there a way in which those influence you or inform what you do? I think what I love about them is the space. Hmm. I love how much space there is. Um, and not even necessarily musical space I mean there's you know there's not there's not chunks of silence but there's ambient space space to um spaciousness spacious mm 
moments in that music where the listener is given permission to or encouraged to fill that space with their own uh, thoughts Hmm. or feelings. And that's really special. And it's almost, it almost becomes like a backing track to, you know, the filmic landscape of your own internal movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can see that. Yeah. Um, So I really, I love that about ambient music and I think that's why I wanted to keep a lot of the music so sparse in Echo because I wanted there still to be space and spaciousness for people to step into it with their own stuff, you know, with their own whatever. Um, But, no, I wouldn't call it an ambient record at all. Um, I think there's also a tone. There's a tone and a mood and a and a feeling of those particular, like, Gruper and Brzezinski and, and a lot of Sarah Devachi and a lot of other mm-hmm. people. There's a tone and a mood and a feeling and I don't know, maybe it's, you know, and I'm sure everybody has their own interpretation of it because, again, like, everyone's feeling it with their own projection of themselves in some capacity. I mean, it's so subjective how we digest music. So... I don't know, but yeah, it, it helped me connect into a specific place within myself that felt more connected to something um, that had a gravitas or a weight to move. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I could, I could, I could see that though, because especially the artists you mentioned, um, including Sarah Debachi, um, who yeah, I forgot about, but she, she's always putting out interesting new stuff um there's a minimalism there yeah and it's not necessarily a minimalism in 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 tools or scope it's just there's something about what they do that as you say does invite you to kind of fill in the spaces with your own stuff even if you don't realize you're doing it and I definitely think of that with pretty much every grouper record or um you know if you think of like disintegration loops you know how people yeah. <laughs> people people put so much into disintegration loops and they get some people get so much out of it. And really when you look at it, it's such a minimalist work. Yeah. But you're right. Like people do just kind of end up naturally maybe filling those gaps with their own stuff. And I think you could see that in Echo because there is a lot of space. It, it 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 sounds like there's a lot of negative space to these songs, like just sort of not not silence, but yeah, just like room, I guess. Yeah. I think that good music is a path that leads you back to yourself. Mm. And I think that they really achieve that. And I think, I mean, all different kinds of music achieves that depending on what cycle or phase you're in in your life. But I think that what I find so beautiful is that very simple and simple accompaniment, like I mentioned, and I'm really into um, Tibetan Buddhism and, you know, so understanding a lot of toning or, you know, a lot of the music and chanting and hymns and all of that, it, it kind of hits that same vibration space where it is just this underlying, it's like a thread to follow or something. It is, it's kind of like a thread that you can follow back to yourself. It kind mm. of 
points you back to the deeper parts of yourself to, like you said, and like we were talking about, fill the space with your own thing or to be in a meditative space and allow all that's inside of you to arise so you can become the witness for your, for your feeling body. And that's such a profound gift of, you know, that's like almost better than any religion because you're learning how to just be with yourself in a space, but you're, it's all just moving through and out and you're not judging it. It's not a negative or a positive thing. You're just allowed to be with, and that's, that's really special. Yeah. I like that. I've never really thought about it that way, but hmm. it reminds me a bit of what um, the band low has been up to lately. Yeah. Um, they have a new record coming out that I, you'll probably love <laughs> if, if this is something you like in music, cause it's full of that kind of room in that space. Um, interesting. They just, uh, a friend actually just sent me a song. I'm just looking it up. Um, two days ago. Um, Maybe their new one. Yeah. Can you remind me what it was called? Was it Days oh, Like These? Yes, Days Like These. Yeah, I listened to that. And I was like, my friend sent it to me. and was like, listen to this with headphones right now. <laughs> and I listened to it and um, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> H- had you not, had you heard them before? I hadn't heard them before. Oh, I hadn't heard. You're them. in for a long, long journey if you want to tackle low. Yeah, but whoa. it's fruitful. Yeah, that. I mean, that track in in like particular and the change halfway through and mm-hmm. whoa and 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 honestly, yeah, it was amazing. It felt it spoke to very like very vastly different parts inside of me. It was also a little disturbing that change. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, because you you mentioned you mentioned the hymns, and it's that's what brought that to mind. Because the beginning is kind of hymnal, which is what they were going for. It's very loud and choral, and then it switches to this very ominous, spacey drone. Totally. Yeah, very cool stuff. They're yeah. uh, I think their record is out in September. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty good. I think if that, if you like that, I think you'll like that the whole album. Yeah. Um. And yeah, they're a band, if you haven't gone back and like listened to some of their old stuff, it's not all like that at all, but they do have a knack for negative space and slowness and minimalism. That's kind of always been their their bag. So I definitely suggest checking out their their older records too. Yeah, I'm going to check them out. I've been really um, immersed lately in um, synth world and and just mm. all of that stuff, I went. I saw a um, really, really small Patrick Watson show the other day where he was doing a modular synth set, and then I saw another guy, Kasim, who's the drummer of Dawn of Midi, do a modular synth set like the night after. And I, it's it's a really that that world is very, very. Um, I mean, I love it. It's so, I'm, I'm, it's so interesting to me and also really exciting to me. I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> so cool. I know. Do you, did you ever watch any of those uh, live sessions on YouTube from like the Moog uh, place? No, I didn't. They like invite bands into the studio or the workshop or whatever you want to call it. And they just have full access to huge ornate Moog synthesizers. And they make these weird versions of their own songs and it. It just looks like so much fun. That sounds amazing. (laughs) So cool. I know. Um, So in addition to Echo, um, you also actually recently put out a brief uh, demos EP Mm -hmm. um, that features Adrienne, but also features, I was um, splendidly surprised, features Charles Spearin of Broken Social Scene. And also uh, Geetha Valtis-Dotir from Moom. Mm-hmm. which is yep. really cool because Moom is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, 
how did you hook up with them for these like small demos, no less? So we had all, we were all, we were all kind of collaborating, not collab, I mean, collaborating, hanging out mm. <laughs> um, in, in Italy. We're in a castle, a, a dear a friend of ours, Damien Rice had invited us to a, a group of us to go there, um, spend some time, work on music and kind of collaborate with each other if, if we, if we felt that we wanted to. Um, it was a really interesting and amazing week because we all just got so close um, and um, we're almost in like a kind of deep therapeutic space. There was a lot of, there was a lot of amazing kind of things going on in that time. I think this is the same. I, th I talked to Charles Spearin for this show a few months ago and I think he told me about this because we were talking about his record with uh, Josephine Runstein. Yes. Thank God the plague is over. And yeah, that must be the same time. <laughs> it's the same place. And that church space that they recorded that in, it was wild actually. I remember walking into that space for the first time and being like, I have to record something in here because the natural reverb was so amazing. And mm -hmm. I think an hour or so later, I went back in with Charles and Josephine and they played the, they just did the, the first improvisation, which wasn't recorded that first improvisation. And I sat in the pews of the church and I was just weeping, listening to them improvise on this song. And somebody, a few other people walked in. And, and at that point, I think Phil Weinrobe, who recorded and mixed it and did stuff with my record too, was like, okay, we've got to record this. And so then they went back in and they recorded more, um, more tracks. But yeah, so that was the same time. Um, and it was a very, yeah, it was such a special time to be there. It was really, you know, thinking back on it now, it's like, wow, I can't believe we were all so, so lucky to have that time now that the world's, you know, it, the way it is. Mm. It, it's so crazy. But, yeah, so so um, Phil had suggested that we do a couple of the tracks. The top, In the top of the castle, there was a really, really old library um, in kind of like a, circular room and the walls were all covered with books really really old books um and he just set up the tape machine and I had been doing bits and pieces with Charles and Gita Gita's a very dear dear friend of mine and and uh, her partner Shazad who worked on my record as well and I recorded some of Echo at his studio back in New York so it was kind of like a really divine meeting of a lot of people in that mm. time. Um, so that's how that came about. But I feel so lucky to have had them play on it. And they're just, I mean, they're just, you couldn't get more special humans with special hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's nice to have a little, a little piece of like documentation of that time now with these three songs. Totally. Yeah. It's really special. Damien Rice, man, he... <laughs> You know, he spent the 2000s being like sort of this, you know, renegade indie folk, mm -hmm. you know, rascal kind of guy. And then he kind of went away and now he's back. And really what he does most these days seemingly is bring these people together. I mean, he also did that like little river cruise thing with like Feist and Mary Wallington. Like, I don't know what, I don't, you know, good was, for him. That was a, that was a sailboat they were both at the castle actually oh, okay yeah i mean good good for him for 
I mean, he, I feel like he's just spending his time, like just bringing people together now. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's definitely working on music. He's just, yeah, he did have a pretty good record um, a few years back. That was kind of a, a return record. And then he kind of went away again. <laughs> I feel like he's, um, he's such a beautiful hermit, Damien. Mm, I could see that. <laughs> he hermits and then comes out of the woodworks and is like, you know, gets his dose of time with community and friends. And mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was also someone who sort of brought Lisa Hannigan to the world. Like he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so what are your plans for the rest of this year as the world opens up? Is there a hope to tour this year? Or is it just sort of buckling down and, and, and recording? Like what, what are you most uh, inclined to do for the rest of this year? I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing some shows and kind of sporadic little shows and random bits and pieces. And then um, I'm recording the next record in September. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, hopefully finding a permanent home <laughs> before the winter comes around. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just finding finding my feet in it all, really. Which is yeah, it's a journey <laughs> for sure. And you and you foresee staying in New York for the time being? I think so. I think so because I just you know really dropped into the most amazing community here, and there you know 95% of them are musicians and um so that feels really amazing to have you know like Gita and Shazad right up the road and mm. it's, just, it's just a lot of people that are feeling very close to my heart so I think it would be challenging to not be in New York right, right now <laughs> mm. I don't know anyone from whom lived in New York that makes me happy <laughs> I was supposed to see Moom actually because they very, very rarely tour the U.S. And uh, they were coming to upstate New York, which I'm in Connecticut. So it was like a two hour drive. Um, and it was right when the pandemic started. And it was like two days until the concert and they canceled. Oh, damn. Which, you know, makes yeah. sense. I get it. But it was sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gita goes back and forth from Iceland to New York. So mm -hmm. she came the two. Um, all right. So before we go, I have prepared a lightning round of questions. Okay. <laughs> I've been trying to do this lately. I don't know. I might, I might ditch it at some point, but I've been trying to do this. Um, I try not to make them too, too hard, but I inevitably end up making them hard. I don't mean to. But how do you um, answer quickly? Or I mean, I'm not like grilling you. You can take a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first question is, what is your favorite sound? Oh. Um, and it can be anything. Oh my God. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> Holy we can uh, come back to it if you want. Um, I love the sound of wind. Okay. See, that works. Yeah. Wind. Just like when it's really windy and you can hear it from outside. I feel like wind through a desert. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard wind through a desert. <laughs> I've probably never been to a desert. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll yeah. take, no, we can. I'll take it. <laughs> right. Um, okay. I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, but I, I, I mean, to be frank, I rarely speak with Australian people. Mm -hmm. So my question is, can you think of an American actor who does a good Australian accent? Okay. Because I'm not sure I can, but that's that's I'm not in any authority. 
a good American actor who does an Australian accent. Who you think, yeah, does like a decent Australian accent as opposed to like a super embarrassing one. (laughs) There might truly, truly there might not be any. I don't know. (laughs) No, I can't. Because I can think of an Australian, I can think of some Australian actors who who seemingly do pretty good American accents. Like I think Kate Blanchett does a really good one. So I suppose that came into my mind. So many, so many. Yeah. I mean, Nicole Kidman, you know, God bless her. She tries, but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think Kate Blanchett does a pretty good one. I can't think of any Americans or even honestly, anyone who's not Australian, who does like a really good Australian accent. I can't either. And I've been laughing about this for the last few weeks because my <laughs> like to tease me about my Australian accent and they like to put the Australian accent on, but it mm. just, Kind of makes them look bad, not me. Because right, you're terrible. like you sound ridiculous. <laughs> you sound terrible. You also sound like half Irish and half New Zealand, like half Kiwi. So right. Yeah, stop. that's the other thing. I feel like a lot of us who are not from there don't understand the differences between the Australian and the Kiwi accent. Yeah, totally. It's so bad. It's yeah. kind of. Yeah. I mean, Australian accents—they're hard. They're hard to imitate. So really? I don't. So I don't know. I can't think of anybody. That's a fine answer. That there's nobody. There's no one. Okay. That's- Fair enough. Um, All right, last question. Something about you that people might find surprising. Surprising. Um, I studied Indonesian and gamelan when I was in primary school. That is surprising. (laughs) That'd be surprising for anybody. (laughs) You studied gamelan. Can you play it? I mean, I... Sure, I could figure it out if I had a gamelan. So. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Next record, there's going to be some gamelan. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Indigo. I really appreciate you spending this hour with me. It was fun. Um, for those who haven't heard it, the, the first record, the debut record, Echo, um, it came out in February on Sacred Bones. It's available everywhere. Um, go to her band camp, play it there, don't play it on Spotify. Um, and uh, yeah, go, go find it and listen to the, the little demos EP. It's, it's quite lovely. Um, and I look forward to hopefully maybe catching you on tour and or catching new music down the pike. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your, of your day. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.